Hello, everybody. Hello, Rise Guys and Rise Gals. That's something that I'm saying with enthusiasm in hopes that it sticks, even though we have not earned the right to call any listeners anything yet. Well, I would say if anyone came back after the first episode, <laughs> we earned something. That's tr- yeah, Fair enough. That's fair. All right. And great. also, if you have, thank you so much. Thank you. It's so good to have you. Uh, my name is uh, Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And uh, you're listening to Mad About Mad About You. This is our podcast. Still, week two. Going strong. The Mad About You Recap Podcast. Said succinctly? Said confidently? Well, now that recap podcasts are such a thing, you don't even have to explain what's going on. That's absolutely true. Everyone knows. A recap podcast. Yeah, of course. A recap podcast. Sure. Like a talk show. Everyone knows what a talk (laughs) show is. Yeah. We're we're, We're like Chris Hardwick, except for Mad About You. Right. Chris Hardwick's like our Johnny Carson. And we're yes. like two guys at home <laughs> making a pretend tonight show. <laughs> we're that episode we're that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer buys the Merv Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. We uh at the end, once we get a few more episodes into this, I'm hoping that some intrepid listener just takes out all of the references that we have to Seinfeld and just makes its own. It's going to have to be a segment on our show of just, this is the part of the Mad About You recap podcast where we go pretty heavy into our favorite Seinfeld moments. (laughs) You know this. I've been told that I look like George Costanza since I was in eighth grade. That's the first time that happened to me. What an early part of your life to get that comparison thrown at you. Yeah. Like a, (laughs) Uh, a friend accidentally called me George, and oh my gosh. she was like, "Oh, you just you remind me of George Costanza." And I came home. This was in like 1996, and I came home and I told my mom this, and she was like, "Oh, that's good. He's talented." Oh, that's and nice. I'm like, and I'm like, "Well, sure, mom," but she didn't say she didn't call me Jason. Sure. And then say, "Oh, you remind me of Jason Alexander." The Tony Award winning actor. Well, yeah, she the classic like, mother move of not separating the actor from the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was, you remind me of George Costanza. Yeah. Uh, 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 Award winning loser. Uh, like, <laughs> so this has been another segment of uh, Mad About Seinfeld and not Mad About You. You know what would really uh, corrupt this podcast? What's that? Because we know Seinfeld's a lead-in show, or was a lead-in show, if we watched the episode of Seinfeld that aired before the episode of Mad About You, and then <laughs> That'd be really... if we, Yeah, if we, if we maintained the fact that we were just like, we're a Mad About You podcast. Every week we watch an episode of Mad About You and an episode of Seinfeld, <laughs> and just try to talk about Mad About You. I mean, because everything <laughs> needs context. It's true. I'll tell you what. This isn't the last time we're going to talk about that show, even in this podcast. Absolutely not. In this very episode. Yeah, there's gonna go... a definite need to talk about Seinfeld in this episode. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it. Um, speaking of this episode, Russ. Speaking of this episode. What episode is it? Well, this is episode two of season one. This episode was called Sofa's Choice. That's a play on Sophie's Choice, which is a movie... About Meryl Streep and the Holocaust. Sophie had to choose between two babies, right? Yes. She uh. had a son and a daughter. And oh, I, yeah, the Nazis yeah. were going to kill one of them, and she had to choose. Wow, brother. So that's a fun thing to name your sitcom episode <laughs> after. <laughs> Absolutely. When did it air? Yeah. This aired, uh, I believe it was September 30th in 1992. Let me tell you about what else was on television that night, because it was it was a fun night, fun night on the old TV. Uh, the 1992 
Country Music Association award show was on CBS. Ugh, who cares? <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you who cares. The uh, Entertainer of the Year, Garth Brooks. Wow. Cared quite a bit. How good for him. Cared quite a bit. Uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter won an award. I know that name. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Rope in the Wind by Garth Brooks was named Album of the Year at that award show. What's your history with Garth Brooks? Do you have one? Yes. I know his name. You know, it's a good... That's your past, present, and future with Garth Brooks. And I've known it for a while. Do you have one? I do. Um, my my mother. You remember my mother from the story from a few minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. uh, she was a big Garth Brooks fan. And so I went to see Garth Brooks in concert with her at the Nassau Coliseum. Probably right around this time. Mom and I bought plastic cowboy hats. Uh, or like they look, it looked more real than just a plastic cowboy. It hat. sounds like junk. Like, and a- then we put we put a we put bands around the rim, like plastic bands around, Aww. like the crown of that, to be like we're authentic. But I also think it might have had they might have had elastic to keep it on, so it was still pretty. So pretty it's like costume. a children's costume to it to some extent. Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit heightened, a little bit better than that. Oh, well, that's very uh, sweet. But, Super sweet, and the dude puts on a really good show. Really, really good show. Yeah, I'll have to check him out. Yeah, do it. I would love, oh, John, I would love for you to get really into Garth Brooks right now. There is not even a little chance of that happening. (laughs) I should, you know what? I'll tell you something. I gave you a hard time about not knowing who Amy Fisher was last week. Sure. And a big part of me still wants to do that. Uh, because it was so huge by me. Sure. But I I told – I was talking about recording with a friend of mine. And I mentioned, my friend didn't know who Amy Fisher was. And she was like, I also do not know who Amy Fisher was. Was she <laughs> so from Long Island? This she was not. She yeah, was so not. Maybe, maybe you just lived in a little bubble that had a real big news story one day. <laughs> Is that possible? Look, look. That it wasn't it was, the story heard around the world in 1992? It, a Letterman talked about Butterfuco all the time for like three months. Every top ten list was just there's a jo- they're running jokes about it. Butterfuco, Butterfuco, Butterfuco. That is an interesting point. Yeah. However, <laughs> I feel validated. Yeah, you should a little bit. So I give you a little apology. I also feel uh, enhanced because now I know this obscure story. Sure, <laughs> this obscure yeah that no you one's just clearly do- ever heard of. Just you and Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, she played the girl, right? Yeah, she played Amy. Yeah, Fisher. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, Joey Buttafuoco then, I believe, went on. I think he did some sort of porno with John Wayne Bobbitt. I think that's a thing that happened. Wait, wouldn't isn't like, John Wayne not, Bobbitt missing his? Uh... Yeah, while well, they reattached it. Oh, they did. Yes, that's the point. Did you miss the second half of that story too? Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. Was the surgery done on Long Island? <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. Maybe. Who knows what I'll learn? Wait, in the were next the Bobbits also from Long Island? No, they were. They were not. I don't think. I don't. I. You know, I cannot remember where they were from. Me neither. So, but uh, but no, they were not. I don't think they were from Long Island. What a disgusting porno! Yeah, I. I think. I th- a man with a reattached like groin and another one who's a, a pedophile, right? Uh, yeah, statutory rapist. I mean, this. I think he. Had, I think he did time. I th- yeah, rough, rough, rough stuff. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Do you want to hear uh, one other thing that was on television that night? Yeah, <laughs> just one. Uh, it was the pilot episode of Lori Hill. I love Lori Hill. <laughs> what is that? Tell me, tell me everything. Lori Hill, you know, starring Garth Brooks. <laughs> this but is a Lori, show that I'm guessing didn't last very long. Uh, five episodes. Oh, uh, and I think they like they like pumped out three of the last episodes in one night. They did one of those to it where they were just like, "Oh, I wish we, they would do gotta, that now." We've got to burn, we, but it was just like we've got to burn our way through these shows. We're putting it all on one night, and then that's going to be it. That's great. It starred, it starred Delane Matthews. 
uh-huh. as Dr. Lori Hill. Uh-huh. Who's that? Um, it, oh, she was the wife. That's it. She was the wife in Dave's World. Oh, I've never seen it, but that's... Me neither. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of Dave. No, that's that's not the movie. The uh, The show with Harry Anderson all about where he plays Dave Barry. Dave Barry, the satirical writer? The, yes. There was a sitcom about Dave Barry? Yeah, he wrote he wrote a sitcom. Dave Barry he wrote was, a sitcom about himself but then didn't play himself because he's not an actor? That's correct. And it was called Harry Dave's Anderson. World? Dave's World. Who's Harry Anderson? What do you, it sounds so much like Harry and the Hendersons. Do you not know who Harry, and, who Harry Anderson is? I don't think so. Was, I don't know. Uh, he was Boy, the judge on Just so people know, I do know stuff. Well, oh, the, the judge from Night Court. Yes, of yes. course I know him. I well, forgot his name. Well, the thing. John, I'm giving you such a hard time for not knowing about pop culture from so long ago. All it is, all this is, is anybody that we're trying to attract. Like, it's just me saying, I'm old. Why aren't you as old as I am? Well, That's, yeah, but we're, we're the exact same age, basically. We are the same age, so, but it's just... Yes, you know, I know Harry Anderson. It sounds like Harry yeah. Henderson. It does sound like Harry Henderson. It's not. Different guy. He looks like Dave Barry a little. A little bit? Yeah. That's how casting works. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, Lori Hill, was a, she was a doctor trying to balance her roles as a doctor, wife, and mother. Um, and the flaky nurse on the show was played by Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, my gosh. And the writing staff uh-huh. on this show was like, this woman's got it. And they took her, and they were like, let's make a thing happen. And then they wrote uh, These Friends of Mine, which I believe turned directly into Ellen. Oh, poor Lori Hill. Poor Lori Hill is right. Yeah. Lori Hill, you, you don't even know yet. Because this is a, I found very little out about it. It was supposed to have a special premiere episode after an episode of Roseanne, but the preview was denied in the 11th hour. And then oh. they just put it on... My Some gosh. regular time. And then on a press tour, the first questions asked by those who had screened the pilot was whether or not they were serious about the program. How bad could it have been? I don't know. Can you imagine? Not even to say, we don't like it. Or it has problems. Right. But to say, are you serious about this thing? Right. Because it's like, you Look. know we're serious. Yeah. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're we couldn't be more serious. Television. Yeah. What network? Uh, ABC. ABC. Ah, mm-hmm. great guess. Mm-hmm. Right after, right after uh, Home Improvement that night. Oh, what a great lead-in. That's what that's what they thought. Hey, what else was going on in the city? Well, you know, I took a look at the news of the week, mm-hmm. just to expand our horizons a little, as opposed to just looking uh, at that particular at- day that it aired. Sure. Uh, and to keep going with this uh, crazy story from Long Island, I don't know if you heard about this, uh, Amy Fisher, the yeah. Long Island teenager who the police say shot and wounded the wife of her 36-year-old lover, uh, yeah. whose name is escaping me at the moment. I think it's Joey Buttafuoco. Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Uh, admitted herself to a psych ward at Huntington Hospital oh, because boy. she tried to kill herself twice that week. Oh, she missed a, a, a jury appear, a court appearance because of that. As I think is fair, since she tried to kill herself twice. Sure. What? This guy's a monster, that. Joseph Buttafuoco. Yeah. Yeah, he's a bad dude. He had his wife shot in the face. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, wow. You know what? This is just going to be some dark stuff. Another news article. Uh, hmm. Do you know Medford, Long Island? Uh, yes. Is it I nice? Know the name for sure. I think it's pretty nice. Well, some Klansmen burnt a cross in a black family's uh, lawn in 1992. There is a history of Klansmen in Queens, I believe. I remember the Times did an article in the 70s about one, like the Grand Dragon or whatever they call him. He turned Mm -hmm. out to be Jewish, and he was living in Queens. And this journalist, uh, McClandish Phillips, tracked him down and did a story on him. And the guy really didn't want to publish, and he published it anyway, and the guy killed himself. Holy moly. Yeah. New York, New York. New York, New York. It's a hell um, of a town. Oh, here's one. Uh, and boy, are we lucky because uh, it didn't go the way the story thought it might. Uh, the Bitter End, 
uh, the Greenwich Village Coffee House where Bob Dylan mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. all those folk singers sang lost its lease that week. Oh, no. And people were worried it was going to close. Like, pretty much everything is closing now in a way. Like, uh, oh, what was that restaurant? <laughs> This is the uh, segment where I try to remember restaurant names. The Edison Cafe, they lost their lease. Yeah. Uh, so the bitter ends. Oh, yeah. what? I had, when I, no, no, no. Just when I, moved, when I moved back to New York after college, I had a meeting with a former uh, student at GW. To just be, and he was like, I'll tell you the ropes about New York and the theater mm-hmm. scene up here. We'll go to the Cafe Edison. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll, you know, it's on me. Yeah. And then he got me a job doing some tech on a show in the first New York uh, Musical Theater Festival. Was that uh, former student that Neil summer. Simon? <laughs> you know, I can't. I I was trying to keep things under wraps. Yeah. For his anonymity's sake. Yeah, it was Doc Simon, uh, right? Yeah, it was Doc. <laughs> uh, it, was, I, it was it was Carl Reiner. <laughs> uh, you ever see uh, anything at the Bitter End? Uh, I never have. Which is weird. Um, I, I mean, I'm saying it's weird. It's weird because you're a music we look it up. fiend. I, I do see a lot of stuff. Um, I don't necessarily see it in a whole lot of places. But you'd think that I would go there. And also, uh, sadly, I'm not 100% sure. I'm saying that it's sad and it's strange. But I'm like, what if it actually wound up closing in like 1994? And right. We and we haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, and that's like why I yeah, that's why I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I never got to go to CBGBs because I moved there, uh, what, 15 years? Out? I don't know when it closed. <laughs> Decades after it closed. Uh, yeah, a couple. I think it closed in like The 90s, maybe? Oh, 2006, like that. no, no, no. that's it? Yeah, 2004, 2000, somewhere in there, yeah. Oh, I miss CBs by a year, man. Yeah. Uh, From I what got, I hear, not so great. I got. <laughs> yeah, like real crazy. Mm-hmm. Real loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I got a couple other stories to run through here. It was a busy week in the city, as is every week. Uh, Staten Island residents were mad about a topless car wash that was opening, and they got it shut down. Mad about booze. (laughs) Very good. So far every week, you've nailed us a short theme song riff. A lot of of words rhyme with you, so. Let's see. With a nod toward – so this is an op-ed piece that was incredibly – irritated by this move by the city but with a nod toward mecca it says weary car owners give thanks for a parking reprieve so basically uh, you know there's uh, the parking situation in new york right there's uh you got to keep moving your cars so street sweepers can go through sure you know parking on the opposite side of the street and so forth you know every other day or whatever and uh uh, you know, there's certain holidays where that doesn't happen, right? Okay. So evidently in the 90s, there were a lot of different religious dr- groups trying to, <laughs> trying to get their holidays through. Oh, wow. And this particular <laughs> uh, journalist, Mr. Douglas Martin, <laughs> takes exception with it um, because in a lot, and it sounds like some politicians agreed that the streets were becoming dirty because there were 39 days of the year where no street sweeping <laughs> was occurring. Which oh, as well as Sundays, which like isn't a little, you know what I mean? That's almost one yeah, day a week. Yeah. In that's addition to funny. Sundays, yeah. So uh, the Muslims got two holidays through. Uh, the Irish were working on St. Patrick's Day, except people were like, "You guys already have All Saints Day." So <laughs> uh, this was uh, part of the controversies that was going on with the parking situation in New York City. Um, Dinkins' drug chief quit. Uh, this week, so we'll see what that means for the mayoral race. Everyone stay tuned. Fingers, I mean, my eyes are glued. New York had the most addicts of any city in the nation. Really? Yeah. Well, that's not that's not necessarily super shocking, especially in the 90s. Especially in the 90s, but it's just jarring. It's like uh, yeah. they, they were providing treatment for only 39,000 of the city's ex- estimated 600,000 people addicted to cocaine, heroin, and other drugs. We're number one. We're number one. And I'd like to cl- – I'm sorry this news section is uh, – see, you gave me the news, and now it's going to take an hour and a half every time. I'll get better at limiting this. Uh, but this is a relevant article to the episode, which everyone will find out why in a moment. Two are charged in East Village slaying. Two oh men – yeah, tentatively been charged with second-degree murder in the slaying of a man who attacked them with a pipe in the East Village. So he attacks them. And they, they kill him. Kill him. <laughs> 
and, and they're charged they get... with murder. That's about right. Yeah, self-defense, but about 5.15 a.m., uh, this man, Scott, was walking with his girlfriend, and a tw- he was he, this guy's 30, and some 20-year-old guy named Kenny attacks him with a metal pipe. So then a friend of uh, the first guy who's there with his wife uh, comes to his aid, I guess, with a knife, which people must have carried, and wow. stabs the guy. Holy cow. Do we, do we get to find out what happened, or do we need to fo- tune in next week? I guess we have to tune in next week and hope... I come across it in my l- loose and quick reading of the news. <laughs> yeah, you know what, uh, listeners, do a little bit of your own research. If something, do me a favor, turn the podcast off right now. <laughs> Go do some research. Yeah, forget the podcast. You know what? The, we're just going to talk about episode two. Okay, so go do the research. Go do that. So, what happened in Sophie's Choice, bud? Ah, great question. So much. It was di- a lot uh, of stuff. Also, it was directed by the same guy, Barnett Kelman. Written by Paul Reiser and Danny Jacobson. Excellent. The same, uh, all, all the same people were involved in episode oh. two, which is a good sign. Same folks. Yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, I have one additional apology for you. Or maybe it's my first real apology. Andrew Gold, the writer, or the person who I said wrote the theme song last week, mm-hmm. did not write the theme song. Oh. He performed the theme song. Ah. The theme song was written... By Paul Reiser. That's what I thought. And Mr. Don Waz. I knew it. The Waz. The other Waz. Well. The lesser well, known Waz. Here's, here's the thing that you may or may not know. Don Waz uh, was in a band. He was a producer, but he was also in a band in the 90s called Waz Not Waz. Um, <laughs> and they wrote a song called Walk the Dinosaur. That sounds familiar. Open the door, get on the floor. Everybody walk the dinosaur. Open the door, get that does on not the floor. Sound Everybody walk the dinosaur. That's how that went. That's catchy. Boom, boom. Aka laka laka boom. Oh, boom, that's very boom. fun. Aka laka boom, boom. Oh, one of my very favorite songs back in the day. That's very uh, playful. And he, and he co-wrote the theme. So that's cool. So, so now we know that. Happy for you. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Um. Are you as happy for me as Paul was when he had to switch sides of the bed? Uh, no, I'm I'm far happier than that. <laughs> so the cold open, it's it's night, right? And Paul's coming out of the bathroom, and uh, he, is. he sees Jamie sleeping on his side of the bed, or reading. You're on my side of the bed. I know. I thought we'd switch. Why? Just for a change. Why would you do that? I mean, well, I mean, where does something like where does that come from? Would you read something? Or... It's just my idea. I really get both sides of this. I've been in situations where I have done things. I've fallen asleep on the wrong side and then been like, "Nope, this this does not work." Oh, absolutely. And just switch things back up. I've also been forced to sleep on the wrong side, and uh, it's it's uh, not it's a growing experience. It's healthy. <laughs> yes. It's health. It's a growing experience. Yeah, I think a healthy person should be able to sleep on either side of the bed. (laughs) So Paul reluctantly goes over to the other side and tries to give it a shot and asks a question that I have referenced my entire adult life, I think, at least in my own head. How's the sun? Excuse me? In the morning. Does Does it just hit you on the face lightly and wake you gently, or is it... More of like a sudden shocking burst of day. There have definitely been situations where all of a sudden it's just, oh, I'm blind right now. Yeah. I was and it's, fine. Everything right. was very nice. And now I just can't see anything. And it's a great alarm yeah. clock. That's true. Because you can't beat it. Yeah. There's a gigantic <laughs> flaming ball of fire bigger than the earth. It's like, get up. Get- <laughs> We're not doing this. Get up. <laughs> He also says his motto is always be prepared, which, of course, is the Boy Scout motto. Be prepared. That's my motto. Do you have a motto yourself? Never marry anyone more neurotic than yourself. The neuroses are uh, on full blast in this episode. It's safe for me to say that I've never dated anyone more neurotic than me. And thankfully, I Um, guess they've never had that motto. Or maybe they have because we're not dating now. Maybe they... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Is this is this going to be the thing that makes you get back in touch with this person? Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask? Uh, hey, it's John. What was your motto? What was your? What Do was you your a life motto? motto? Was it about me? The most neurotic move that could ever happen. <laughs> Calling ex girlfriend for several years ago to say, uh, "Did you have a yeah. motto? And if so, was it related to me?" So that leads us to everybody's favorite theme song. Whoa, whoa! Uh, so quickly already. Doesn't it? What else you got to say, buddy boy? Well, I just loved how he goes on this long rant. Like, because, <laughs> you know, he's trying to deal with it, but he can't stop talking about it to the point where she finally gives up. Go to sleep. I'd be halfway to dreamland if you didn't throw me this curve. I, <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to think? You know, you make a big decision like this, you don't even consult me. And, you know, I'm a person. I got needs. I, you know, I, I have a certain way. I like to, you just throw this at me and then, I don't, you know. <laughs> Makes me a little uneasy, the whole okay, thing. Okay, 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 sure okay, 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 okay. You know, there's a right way, there's a wrong way. What I love about the cold open is that, like, it takes... it. There's so many moments it could end, and it just keeps going. That is true. And then, and then we go... Think, yeah. And then we go, yeah. Uh, thanks for that, John. <laughs> you're, you're right, we weren't done. <laughs> Between that and the parking, we open on the next morning, right? We do. It's a very concise show so far. The pilots seem to all be like, you know, happening over the course of a day. This one's happening the next morning. Like, it's all... Actually, this whole episode's one day, isn't it? Yeah. This is what sitcoms are, especially in this era, but just diving into the minutiae. Yeah. And just being like, this is, this is a show, you know? They talked, like I said in the in the the commentary, about how they just wanted it to be, no, this is what happens after after the big events. And... Going out to buy a couch is one of those things where it's seemingly not a big deal, and here it's it's 22 minutes of uh, entertainment. Paul, so it's the morning, and Paul, it seems like a Saturday morning probably. Mm-hmm. Paul's eating mm-hmm. cereal, and he's reading, a, he's reading the paper. The bullet-ridden body was identified by police as 31-year-old Eric Gottlieb, who was found Thursday morning in the shower of his West Village apartment. Who's Gottlieb? Who's Gottlieb? That's your question? Who's Gottlieb? I mean, am I supposed to know the name? Because I don't. No, you're not supposed to know the name. I'm just saying it's unbelievable. A guy just shot in his own apartment. What are you, new in town? <laughs> Which, of course, they go from Connecticut telling the guy from Queens because he's being so <laughs> sensitive, you know. That's true. Uh, so All then right. the beautiful move of him just thinking and voicing. You know what? Maybe I should get a gun. That's what the city needs. You with a gun. Just the just the concept of that character. I mean, is that a thought you've contemplating? Had? Um, I have. I never have. Have you really? Oh sure. When I was when I graduated college and I was driving cross country to start my first job, I I was reading a lot about um, white pride movements <laughs> in the Midwest. Oh wow! And Nazis, and I kept having wow. nightmares about being uh, pulled over by Nazis in the middle of nowhere. And for a minute, I was like, should I just get a gun for the drive? <laughs> for, for the drive? Yeah, just a gun I, for the drive. <laughs> I like the idea. Did you have, like, a rental car? No, I didn't, but I do like that idea. Yeah, a little upgrade. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I need a GPS and a gun. I need a gun. Okay. And uh, would you like to buy a, a magazine of bullets here? <laughs> a little bit cheaper? Yeah, right. Or are you going to pick up some ammunition as you go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna bring it back you with take a full care clip of that for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so Jamie needs his. So help. Jamie, yeah, Jamie needs some help. Jamie is measuring off room. It's time to get a couch. Right. Which is, I wonder if they knew they were gonna do this as episode two because it it is it. Wow, I feel like an idiot. It didn't even occur to me that it was unusual in the pilot that they didn't have a couch. They didn't have a couch yet. Selby was biking around the area where a couch would go. That's very true. Yeah. Why Laying didn't we down on the that? floor with the dog? But it, you know what? We didn't realize it. We mentioned we mentioned the biking, but we didn't realize. Hey, it's so strange that they don't have a couch. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Do you think that's negligence? No, I don't. I think it's it's hard to notice the lack of a couch. That's kind of true, actually. Yeah, I remember there was an old episode of the Ricky Gervais podcast. Did you ever listen to that? <laughs> no, Stick but this is me. about to put the parking story to shame. No, 
This is great. You're gonna you're gonna eat those words. Okay. So Carl Pilkington, one of the people who contributes to the Ricky Gervais podcast, he's a real dummy. Uh-huh. But he was talking about people that he knows and nicknames that people have. Uh-huh. And there was one guy who they called Jimmy the Hat. And Ricky and Stephen Merchant are like, Oh, because he always wore a hat? And Carl says, No, he never wore a hat. And so that's why they called him Jimmy the Hat. Because he never wore a hat. It was like one of those ironic nicknames, like calling a bald guy Curly. And they were like, that's amazing. How do you realize that somebody never wears a hat? How is that even a thing? That's interesting, I guess. <laughs> you know what? You're jaded. So they're looking at this uh, this dummy that uh, that Jamie has brought up, this, uh, this, this fake couch dimensions. They're lying down on this piece of cardboard. Yeah. That's what Paul's doing. And Jamie is freaking out about it. Yeah, it's a big decision. A big decision. She's wondering about the width. Yes, she says it's 60 inches, right? She's She already has one picked out, evidently, that yep. she saw at the store recently. Yep. And she's just trying to figure out if it's the right fit for the apartment. It's 60 inches, but I don't know if that's total width or between the arms. Oh, it's total width. Really? No idea. <laughs> Which I think is a yeah. great question. I never know either. For sure. Don't you? And, I see dimensions on things all the time. I don't know what they mean. Yeah, it took me a very long time to be like, oh, when they talk about dimensions for a television, it's on the diagonal. Yeah, Good. why? Got Who's it. measuring their wall like in a diagonal way? <laughs> it should just be width. No they're one's ever going to care about the height. We all the same to, shape, huh? They're doing it to teach you about hypotenuses. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and we see, uh, we meet Murray again. Mm-hmm. Murray shows up again. Who? Wait for those of you who tuned in last episode know where I'm going with this. I'm very excited to learn. Murray in the pilot was played by a dog named Smiley, who only had one credit to his name, the pilot of Mad About You. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, Murray was replaced by Maui, which I think sort of sounds like Murray in a fun way. But You're Maui, right. like the island of Hawaii, who only has one other credit, playing the role of Miss Scribbles... In the 2005 comedy horror flick, Santa's Sleigh, which star, <laughs> start is a strong word, but uh, 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 Fran Drescher is Great. in it. Excellent. After some scrolling hey. down the list of actors, I found that. <laughs> hey, you don't mind if I ask you what the other credits for the island of Hawaii are, do you? I wonder if he's from Hawaii. Must be. Or, or maybe it's a dog that never went to Hawaii, and that's how why it was named Maui. <laughs> that's why it was named Maui. Like the hat <laughs> story. Like the hat story. Maybe you know what? You're prob. That's probably it. <laughs> it's our hope and dream to get Paul Reiser on this show, and if oh, he absolutely. does, we have to we have to ask him if Ma- was Maui the dog named Maui because he was not from Hawaii, right? Uh, so Jamie basically has plans, right, in her mind of the day. They want, she wants to go to the store, pick out the couch, and put it in the yes. apartment. And she wants Paul to go yes. with her. And he's got plans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Saturday. He's got plans, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except he doesn't because he's got nothing to say to her when she asks, what plans do you have? So he it's gets true. roped into going shopping with her at the store. And she's saying, come on. It's quick. It'll only take like half an hour or whatever. He says, Jamie. And I completely agree with this, except the number's a little off, I think. Everything in the world takes four hours. It takes four hours. You got to go there. You got to do whatever, eat, talk about where you should have eaten, and then come home. That's four hours minimum. I, when I used to go to school down in Washington, D.C., sometimes I would fly, sometimes I would take the train, sometimes I would take the bus. Everything was always five hours, door to door. Yeah, because even if you had to, if you if you fly, then you got to get there early, sure. and it takes you longer to get to the airport. And Absolutely, you get somebody to pick you up from the five hours, everything. Oh yeah, the people that compare a flight time to a driving time are so stupid. I don't even know how to get started. <laughs> I can't. I can't even with them. And so yeah, so Paul then reveals himself to be afraid of a tape measure, and uh, Jamie yeah. Yeah. snipes at him. Oh yeah, you should get a gun. Which is a really nice, a great, button. really nice touch. Yeah. So we go to scene two, which is at the sofa store. Have you ever bought a couch? Uh, yeah. 
Was it like this? Was it better than this? Was it worse than this? Like the couch? Like like this experience? Uh, no, I mean, I, no, I would say it's about the same. Yeah. You go, there's a lot of second guessing. There's a lot of... Yeah, yeah, I know. They nailed it. It's, it's all the... Because she's right. It is something you look at and use every day. It, it felt like... This whole thing felt like going to Ikea. This whole episode. Absolutely. The dynamic and just the, do we want? Have we got? Is the yeah. room? Right. What do we think? Right. You know, there's going to be some sort of frustration between you and your partner at some point. If you can get through it, it's a miracle. I've never gone to Ikea. Well, that's not true. Is it? I don't think I've ever gone to Ikea with a significant other for big things. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't have this experience yet. Ikea is a little different because there's uh, catalogs. So oh, you can sure. do a little bit of a little bit of pre planning. Yes, sure, sure. Also, this is a very fancy seeming furniture store. This feels like a Macy's That's or true. even nicer. Like I've never I've walked into Raymore and Flanagan once and I I took mm-hmm. a look at the coffee table and it was like three hundred dollars and I was like, Thank you. I'll put it together myself. Yeah, I'll be back in twenty five my... years. <laughs> so what happens? They go Jamie's eating Paul's an been enormous straight in the eye. Yeah. Has been sprayed in the eye by a perfume lady, that's right. Jamie's eating the biggest cookie I've ever seen. It looks delicious. And then, and then the least professional the least professional employee in the world comes up to help them. Why why do you say least professional? Because he takes and eats her cookie. Well, eventually, but she's gonna throw it out anyway. <laughs> uh and his name's Philip. Mm-hmm. And he's played by a man named Richard Rote. Okay. Who, topical, uh, was in Westworld. Hey, okay. The movie. <laughs> the m- <laughs> From 1973. Oh, twist. Yeah. Uh, he's done a few TV appearances since then. He was on 24 for an episode, Cold Case, blah, blah, blah. He was on Friends. What's he now? Yeah, the one where Ross dates a student. I don't remember. Okay. I mean, I remember that the happens. episode, but... Uh, I acknowledge that that's a thing that happened. Oh, sure. and he was on a Seinfeld. He played uh, Dr. Berg in the Package episode. Berg. I never recall. Dr. Alec Berg. Berg. Is that that one? No, Me? that's Alec Berg, No, right? that would be Alec Berg. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> that was a surprise Seinfeld topic. Yeah. Uh, you, you never know when it's going to happen. You never know. I mean, um, now we know. But. Yeah. Uh, so, so they are shopping. Jamie doesn't know how it's going to actually be. I don't know. What don't you know? I don't know if it's us. I'm trying to imagine what it would look like in our apartment. Do you have one with dog hair already on it? <laughs> Maybe a couple of those, uh, those little rubber band, the hair things with the gold balls. Ponytail holders? Ponytail no, I'm holders. I'm sorry, sir. We can't do that. They can't do it. Honey. I asked them. They won't do it. As all of this is happening, Jen, my girlfriend, who's watching with me, says... I so identify with Jamie Buckman. Oh, that's During, fantastic, Russ. Yeah. During this, yeah, all this anxiety of purchasing a couch and trying to play it all out and make the big decision. Yeah. This all hit a very real place for my girlfriend. Jen. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. this whole time, Paul just wants to get out of there. He's like, let's take mm-hmm. it. It's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. They sit on the couch together to try it out. Right. And, mm-hmm. and He's just like, let's go. And she can't decide. And he and we get a little more information about her career. Because we have yes, still have no idea do. what she does. You're unbelievable. You know that? You, you, you make these big decisions at work. You, you deal with million-dollar corporations, and you are stymied by this couch. Because we're going to have it for a long time. Absolutely. And she points out that it's the first thing from their life together. Look, everything we have is either from my life or your life. This is the first thing that will be from our life. Honey, you're putting a lot of pressure on this purchase. That's very sweet. She yeah. she does that very very well. Yeah. I feel like if I'm remembering correctly, especially in the earlier episodes, he uh, you know what? I may be wrong, but they they both do that. They both know how to play the heart and be serious about this is what is genuinely concerning me. Mhm. Very well. Right. You know, the, the the real moments. Absolutely. Lots of times, lots of times, he's just the jackass, and she's the one saying, "Hey, here's how I feel about this." 
But the more I think about it, he does the same thing. And I think that's why the show works so well. Yeah, me too. So so they decide. Let's get this couch. Yes. Write up the paperwork, my good man. Oh, but first we find out that Fran and Mark are coming. I'm going to wait and ask Fran what she thinks. What? Fran, Fran's coming here? Saturday, she might. <laughs> Boy, this whole day, it's like a covert operation with you. It's a great line. So, yeah, they, they tell him to write it up, and he, the, the salesman who Russ believes is unprofessional, mm-hmm. uh, says that he and thinks here's, it's... here's another reason how, yeah. Yes, th- I agree with it. I think he goes too far here. He says it's the best love seat in the store. Mm-hmm. And that destroys Paul. As far as I'm concerned, it's the best love seat in the store. <laughs> the best what? <laughs> the best love seat. By far. It's not a couch? No, it's a love seat. And uh, the difference there would be what? Nothing, really. A size, I suppose. It's like a small couch. Precisely. But it's not a couch. <laughs> it's a love seat. That is correct. Honey, it's the same thing. Well, you would think that, right? But Philip here is telling me different. I remember watching this as a kid, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's a... Because, you know, you're almost shopping for a personality when you're a kid sometimes. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I identify with that neurosi. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really funny. Like, but I can be neurotic the, about love seats for the rest of my life, too. The flip side of that is I'm like, look, Jamie. Like, Jamie should take a a page out of the Jerry Seinfeld book of dating. And I'm like, look, I understand that you're married to this person. But if he's going to lose his mind like this over the phrase love seat, <laughs> you you can and should just get out of this marriage because it's not <laughs> – it's not going to get any easier. It's going to be a long it's, road. It's going it just you don't need this. <laughs> but he's find right. Some, find somebody else. But he's right, you say. <laughs> I mean, and he's like, I can't. It's a love seat. It's not even a couch. He's like there's so much pressure on it. You know, on a couch you can relax. On a love seat I feel like I have to be necking. That's funny as hell. And he goes, "Oh, you know what would really kill me?" <laughs> This, this is something is I think about all the time. I'll tell you what would make me really nuts. If somebody was over the house and I said, hey, throw your jacket on a couch. And they said, what couch? Oh, you mean the love seat? Oh, that would kill me. That would just kill me. And then Fran and Mark enter. Fran and Mark enter. Um, oh, <laughs> let me just chime in super quickly because Jen had another very good point. She says, Paul is a slightly more evolved George Costanza. Uh... Yeah, okay. Everything that just happened, that whole diatribe about love seat, that's George. Uh, I don't know if it is. I don't know if I we'll agree. See. We'll, Forgive we'll me. See. I don't okay. know if I agree. You know what? Look, if you want to lose a listener, that's fine. Uh, but she's an important person in my life, and I she's one of the few people who are going to be tuning in. And so... I I agree with you, Jen. I uh, <laughs> disagree. Not vehemently. Not vehemently. But fair. Uh, I'm not just going to blindly go along. <laughs> I'll let you two fight it out. I, yeah, I think it, I think it requires further analysis. <laughs> so yes, Fran and Mark show up, and uh, Jamie and Fran are talking. They're getting some clothes. Yes, They're we're shopping. In the next scene, and the girls are shopping for dresses. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamie's talking about how much Paul hates department stores, right? And she's like, No, Paul's okay. I told him 15 minutes he hates department stores. Really? Doesn't Mark? Yeah. Who asks? <laughs> Mark is sort of just the schmuck. I can't get enough of Richard Kind. Oh, I can't either. He is so incredible in this episode. This I, I can't. This oh. episode really... So when I was a kid, I, I grew up in... During, what, high school? I don't remember when this was. Middle school or high school. But I grew up in Asia, right? So I'd yeah. come back for the summers. And a little tradition we had was my grandmother would buy me, like, 12 blank VHS tapes. And I would fill them up with television over the summer. And then I'd take them back. And this, for whatever reason, this was, like, a Mad About You episode that I caught. But, like, one of the only ones. So I've seen this episode so many times starting from, like, eighth grade. Really? Oh, yeah. So this one's in the bones. Yeah, and I sort of forgot about it a little, but then when I was watching, I was like, oh, my gosh. This is like half my personalities in this show, this episode. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, so um, we cut back to so basically this whole scene is just bouncing back between the girls at the department store and the guys at the department store. You know, Mark, this is time you never get back. I mean, there are only X amount of Saturdays left, and I'm spending this one sitting on a love seat, holding the pocketbook. Got an emery board in there. I'm gonna punch you in the head. I got this piece of nail. Bite it off. Be a man. And they are wearing they are wearing some truly ridiculous clothing. <laughs> what do you mean? Because it's Everybody. the 90s? Because it's the 90s. Mark's, sure. Everything is very high-waisted. Yes. Everything is uh, very big. Uh, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's a hoot. This is a real timestamp kind of episode, fashion-wise. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and Fran is talking about... This is a great bit. Because Fran is talking about what Mark wore. Mark did that? Yep. It wasn't even our regular night. <laughs> You're kidding. I swear to God. How did you get him to do that? I bought it and I said, wear it. <laughs> and? He wore it. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I'm like, what? what? I mean, my brain's running the gamut of possibilities yeah. none of which sound none of which fit the exact tone but also right. what i would believe this couple to be doing yes i'm like i'm making them very sexually progressive in 1992 for a couple of in their mid-30s right or so conservative <laughs> it doesn't even make sense like <laughs> i he, she's talking about a sport coat yeah <laughs> yeah a houndstooth blazer. I, <laughs> uh, I assume it must have. Maybe she bought him like a uniform to wear, like a, a an army uniform or something. Well, we learn in a few scenes later. They cut to uh, Mark and Paul in the underwear department, mm-hmm. and he says about some very tight briefs. I have these, and I'm yeah. like, I wonder if that is what it is. And he says Fran likes them. Fran likes them. But I can't imagine Jamie getting that uh, slack-jawed about something so innocuous. 1992, my man. Uh, Maybe. 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 Uh, But before we go to them, the guys shopping, we cannot Mm. miss one of my favorite descriptions of a sandwich ever. Please. We cut back to the fellas on the couch, and so the women are talking about sex, and the men are talking about food. Mm-hmm. And Mark is just slowly, they're both, recli- Mark and Paul are reclined in the couch, or the love seat, and Mark is just going on about how amazing the sandwich he had is. So what they do is, is they toast the sandwich so it has this nice burnt taste. Crispy? Very crispy. I don't know why you're torturing me like this, because you know we're going to die in here, don't you? I'm telling you, the flavor, like it explodes in your mouth. It's like ambrosia, but with cheese. Give him a it, million awards. It is. It explodes in your mouth. It's like yeah. something that entered my vocabulary when I was a kid because of yeah. this episode. It was – It was. The, I've, I've definitely heard and used that for sure. And I also think I heard somebody like – I heard a different friend use that once, just like, oh, it's like if they, they ate something and then said that about, they're like, oh, the flavor just explodes in your mouth. And we were all just like, you need to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then these two beautiful women walk by, dressed mm-hmm. in the very 90s garb, and mm-hmm. Paul gawks, and mm-hmm. he goes, which I love, I love when 90s men express <laughs> Their desires, because it's always in the weirdest. He goes, ouch. That hurt. You see that? What's that? Those girls, they're virtually naked. I guess the fact that he can't approach them is so painful. Ouch. I do, you know, the fact that he says that hurts leads me to that connotation, yes. But I I prefer the idea of just seeing seeing a pretty girl and just saying, ouch. (laughs) This is how I express that I think that you're attractive. <laughs> yeah, sure. Ouch. Owie. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah. Uh, but through this con- through this conversation about these two, he's like, you know, you can, you know, you can still look, Mark, even though you're married. Uh-huh. 
And we find out that Mark is an OBGYN. Yeah. First time we hear it. Yes. I had I had also forgotten about the fact that he was an OBGYN. Right? Oh, I hadn't. You had not? <laughs> Absolutely not. It plays in heavily in the future, and it plays in heavily in the immediate future. Yeah, indeed. Um, Paul's like, yeah, but wouldn't you rather have sort of a younger woman than, than, a, than a much older woman? Once, once that white coat comes on, the libido goes off. Wow. You can do that? No, I have to. It's my job. I'm a doctor. <laughs> You're telling me that you wouldn't rather have some a gorgeous young model as a patient instead of... Oh, no. From where I sit, there's no difference. It's all the same. And then he says, let's go look at some slacks. And Paul's like, I hate the slacks. I hate, I don't wanna, I hate trying them on, which, I mean, you can relate to, right? I hate, I hate sure. trying on pants. It is not at all my favorite thing in the world to do. That yeah. takes four hours. <laughs> That's true. I remember... Being a kid and having my mom be like, I bought you new pants. She did everything. Like, she just, she literally may as well have said, I can't actually physically try them on for you. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I bought them. They're in your room. Mm-hmm. You, I, di- I didn't make you come out with me. Just try them on so I know if they fit and if I need to return them. Right. And, and even that, it would be three weeks. <laughs> Of my pants just sitting there. And then if and when I put them on, it would be like, hey, mom, number one son, best son in the universe. You know what I did? I tried on those pants. What a monster. Oh, I'm the worst. (laughs) Um, What I love, though, is uh, so Paul's talking about how what a nightmare it is to take the shoes off, then the pants. And Mark goes into, well, you got to get some loafers. And You're giving me the loafer lesson. Right? The loafer lecture. <laughs> this is something Mark is clearly very passionate about. Yep. And I honestly, I agree. Especially slacks, because you got the whole shoe thing. You got to put them on. Well, you know what you should do. You're going to give me the loafer lecture. Yeah, get yourself a pair of loafers. You yeah. kick them off. You slip I, them I on. I like laces. I like laces. You can tighten. You can loosen. You have some control. Mark is passionate about every single thing. He is. He He's very about. passionate about life. So we cut back Paul to the Paul talks too much during sex. So passionate. I just wanted to lie there quietly and enjoy it. He wouldn't stop talking. What was a chatterbox? I was actually praying you would roll over and go to sleep. You don't know how lucky you are. By the time I'm finished, Mark's in the kitchen making a sandwich. We right. learn these things, and we learn these things right before we meet. Estelle Harris. Yes, we cut back to the guys who are now shopping, as we alluded mm-hmm. to earlier, in the men's department. And uh, Estelle Parsons just comes walking into the scene with a sweater, with did a cranberry-colored sweater. I did say Estelle Harris. I don't know who Estelle Harris is. I said Estelle Parsons. We're going to have to look that <laughs> no, up. No, it's Estelle Harris. <laughs> is it? Who's Estelle Parsons? Estelle Parsons uh, is an American stage, film, and television actress. <laughs> Okay, great. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. I remember her. Yeah, different person. Yeah. <laughs> She's won an Academy Award. Yeah. Uh, she was on Roseanne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Roseanne's mom. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, right. I like the idea of Estelle, Pars- of, of Estelle Harris, like, of her being the same person. Estelle Parsons and Estelle Harris. Right. And like, oh, yeah, in the mid-90s, like, in that one-year gap between Mad About You and Seinfeld, she got married and changed her name. <laughs> no, sadly, no. No. Different lady. So, um, Mrs. Yeah, Costanza, Estelle Mrs. Harris. Costanza, George's mom, appearing here um, and saying, talking about her son and saying things like, just like my Barry. Can I ask you something? Would you mind trying this sweater on? It's from my son, and you seem to be about the right size. I don't know about you. But for me, hearing her talk about her son and not saying George or Georgie was the weirdest thing. Sure. But guess what I thought when you just said that? What's that? My son, Barry. In my mind, I was like, I wonder if her son, Barry, later ma- uh, marries a, a, a young woman from Long Island named Rachel. In- interesting. Yeah, this is Barry's mother. This is Barry's Barry from mother Friends from Friends. Mother. Friends. Yeah. 
Wow. Levels. Levels. I got these <laughs> different levels. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so these are these are the questions that we can ask Mr. Riser in the future. It'll be like, hey, so did that dog get its name? Yeah. We'll follow we'll follow we'll follow up this very smart question about friends. Yeah, this is gonna be a scintillating interview full of answers that are, just sound like I don't know, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Sir, please come on our show. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Barry's mother just basically does a real roast job on the two of these guys. I'll try it on for you. Nah, you're too round-shouldered. Round-shouldered? I'm round-shouldered? I didn't want to say. <laughs> but this one here, you're a skinny marink, just like my Barry. Come on. Call my purse. Sure. This'll only take a second. It'll be four hours, but why not? Don't be a smart mouth. Keep in mind, I'm pretty sure Paul Reiser still did write this, so... He'll write himself a, an insult that isn't too insulting. Sure. Oh, you're real round shoulder. You you sure do have. Oh, look at your full head of hair there, you big jerk. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> uh, oh, and then Paul, because he's annoyed at this, goes. So where is Barry today? <clears throat> Who knows? We don't speak. I don't know if that just means, like, he doesn't call as much as she'd like, or if it means there's a huge rift between her and her son. I don't know. I really like the idea of a woman buying pants and a shirt, buying a sweater for her son to whom she does not speak. Yeah, I mean, that's that's real tragic, if that's the case. <laughs> Let's find out what's going on with their family. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe uh, you know what? Maybe he's just trying to juggle the difficulties of being a doctor, a husband, and a father. That's what I was and... going to say. That's right. <laughs> um. So we cut back to the girls. It? What? Mark exam. Well, I was gonna. We do cut back to the girls, and they're still talking about sex. Still talking about sex. Uh, and Jamie. Oh, they're talking about how dressing room lights make. Uh, what is they make you look worse? Yes, the lighting in dressing rooms makes you look worse. Yeah. Yes, that's what they're saying. Which I've never thought to blame the lighting, but I, I, I appreciate that. Sure. And I Nobody always will. Nobody likes fluorescent lights. Yeah, no, they're horrible. So Jamie decides to just get up on a seat and, t- and take it out, which, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, this boldness in Jamie's character, I feel like, comes out a lot. Like, she really just goes for it. She's very impulsive. Yeah, like, I would ne- I would be too terrified to even do that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and the sales lady comes by, uh, played by Jody Carlisle, who was the voice mm-hmm. of Marianne Thornberry on the Thornberries on Nickelodeon. Ah, I yeah. didn't know that. And uh, she's like, "What happened here? This light fell down and almost hit my friend in the head. <laughs> I was this close to a concussion. Oh, uh, I, 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 I am so sorry. That's never happened. Uh, can we get your girl something? Yeah, two cappuccinos would be great." A couple of those big cookies. <laughs> they asked for two cappuccinos and a couple of big cookies. <laughs> Even though Jamie nearly threw out half of one moments ago. And that's the principle of the thing. It is. Um, uh, so then we cut back to the then, fellas, and uh, he got Paul to try on some slacks and loafers. Got Paul to try on some slacks. Yeah. Good for Mark. Good for Mark. And uh, this is where a bomb gets dropped. Yeah, Paul, Mark tells uh, Mark's telling Paul that Jamie was repulsed by Paul's clothes when they first met. When Jamie first met you, she was repulsed by the way you dressed. She told you that? Yeah, I remember. I was examining her, and she was telling me about this great guy that she met, named Paul, who dressed like a manic depressive psych professor. You know, you know, Mark. You used the word there. You got me a little stuck. Uh, what you say? You're examining? You examine her? Yeah. Before I moved my practice uptown, Jamie was a patient. Yeah, if you think Paul couldn't handle the love seat. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the fact that Jamie went to Mark for such an intimate exam on a regular basis was way too much for him. Too much. So he uh, decides the best course of action is to hyperventilate. Yes, and as a doctor, Mark decides the best course of action is to give him a paper <laughs> bag to control his breathing, to breathe in and out of, except it's a shopping sure. bag that goes yeah. over his entire head. Not not the best form. No, which but is so a funny. Very funny gag. Yeah. 
<laughs> a very funny gag. But then he starts, and I, I get I get that the scene's ending, but he just starts shouting, Fran, Fran, for help. But I'm yeah. like, what? what? <laughs> get it together, dude. But also, she's on the other side of the store. Like, she's in the women's department in a dressing room. <laughs> and you're in the men's department in a dressing hey. room. <laughs> Never the twain shall meet. Never. But they do. Well, sure. They all they all get back together at the old uh, the old love, love seat. seat. In the final scene of this episode, we come back to the love seat, and Paul has just come to, and Jamie's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we learn <laughs> because they're laying on a bed now, which pulled out mm-hmm. of the love seat. So we learned it's a sofa, sofa bed. That's true, a sofa bed. How yeah. about that? How about good that? for you guys? They could have people stay over. They could. They could. Yeah. Good for guests. Um, so Fran, oh, Fran. Uh, well, oh, what I was gonna say, I was gonna say that yeah, Fran comes out and says, "You know, Paul, he's riddled with anxiety." <laughs> That's one thing that she says when she's blaming Mark for right. the events. Yeah, we go back and, and forth between now the couples and Jamie yeah. and Paul are having a sweet conversation, and Mark mm-hmm. is just being yelled at by Fran on the other side of the store. What did I do? What did I do? I did nothing. Why would you tell him that? You know, Paul, he's riddled with anxiety. You just don't go tell him something like that in the middle of a department store. It was years ago. I gave her a pap smear. It's not like I enjoyed it. I wrote down Fran could be Estelle Harris's daughter. Sure. The way that she gives him the business, it sounded like... Yeah, she uh, could be Barry's sister. Yes. Yeah. And she has no idea her mother was in the store. We're just, oh, but Mark would have known. I love that we're just growing this. Yeah. This family. It's this, soft this universe. Fiction. Yeah. Uh, Jamie recommends. Oh wait. Uh, as, oh yeah. Oh no! Please, by all means, by all well, means. Well, I just ahead. love when the the fight between Mark and Fran builds to a point mm-hmm. where Mark is just like, "What should I do, huh?" What should I do? How can I improve unless you tell me what to do? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a mission statement. Yeah. It's a thesis. <laughs> it is of their entire marriage and relationship. It's wonderful. Oh, God. And he wants to so badly. Yes, and he's that guy who needs the guidance. Oh, and she loves to yell at him. Indeed. Oh, And that's beautiful. why they work. And so that's why good. they continue to work for the entire series. Oh, it's such a good dynamic. So funny. Yeah. Uh, Jamie wants to level things off with Paul. Right. Even the playing field. Would you feel better if it was you instead of me? What do you mean? Go show Fran your penis. Get (laughs) What? We'll be even. You'll feel better. Stop it. Do it. I don't want to show Fran my penis. (laughs) Yeah. And did you notice that old that background actor in the back? That there was a much yes. older woman who just turns her head and looks like in shock. Well, then they do the thing that I hate. I don't want to show Stan my zenith. Yeah, I, I'm just I like that's a fun joke. I don't like that joke. I know that joke is played out, my friend. I know, I know zenith. How about that? Yeah, yeah that that joke is as played out as the zenith. Company. Yeah, the Zenith <laughs> TV brand. <laughs> um, then for they, a moment, yeah. I was very excited because uh, it sounded like Selby was going to go to the Jet game. Yes. So they they cl- they sort of climb into the sofa bed together like they're sleeping mm-hmm. in it now. And uh, uh, Jamie, I guess, what, apologizes for this day yeah. sort of spiraling out of control, right? I owe you one. Oh, not one. Four. Two. One, I ain't going to your Aunt Carol's birthday luau. Two, I am going to the Jet Game Sunday with Selby. And three, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to keep in reserve. For what? For whatever I want, whenever I want it. You know I'll never approve that. Why can't you do these things without me? You, you, you know what you want. You don't listen to me anyway. Why, why do you need me here? Because I like to be with you. Really sweet, really simple. I don't think they decide against the jet game, don't they? Something else comes up on Sunday. No. Am I mistaken? Uh, she, she sort of charms him, and he's like, all right, fine. Oh, I'll take you to right. the Jets game. 
That's Which, it. to me, is punishment enough, I feel like. <laughs> um, frankly, I'm just excited. I want to know what Selby was up to this day. Oh, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure a million things. We'll find out next week and the week after that and in the years to come. We'll find out what was <laughs> happening to Selby <laughs> this day and in all the other days. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm so excited. The few episodes he doesn't appear in, he's definitely up to very noteworthy things, which come up For later sure. in the series. <laughs> um, so Mark and Fran come back over and they're like hey we're going to go to the Lower East Side and look for, for linen you want to come yeah. and Paul just wants to go home right and Jamie and then Jamie you three go and have fun no 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 Paul no we'll, we'll go shopping no slacks okay and then afterwards we'll go for a nice leisurely dinner and we'll talk things out okay Mark I'm fine I really am please come with us Okay, I'll go. That's so sweet and so lovely. Yeah. And then Mark, as he does, adds insult to injury and goes, Paul, did I mention there's always a nurse present whenever a patient is in the stirrups? Mark! It's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, that Mark. Can't leave well enough alone. No, he can't. He doesn't know when to stop. And that's episode two. (laughs) That's Sofa's Choice. Sofa's Choice. A lot lighter than the movie i think it sounds like what let me ask you if you had to do one thing either buy a sofa or choose which of your children you had to have killed which would you do no brainer how old are they (laughs) (laughs) that's a great answer (laughs) um yeah. I love kids. I don't want anybody to kill any of them. <laughs> like that we that's both on feel we have to clarify. Yeah, that's <sighs> on record now. Um, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to episode two. Absolutely. Join us for episode three where we'll talk about Please what do. happens in the third episode of Mad About You. Thank you so much for listening to Mad About Mad About You. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It's quick and it really helps us out. Also, check out our Facebook page. And you can find us on Twitter at MadAboutYouPod. Our theme song is by John D. Ivy, and our logo was designed by Nathan Diffie. Thanks to both of them, and thanks to you for listening. Yeah, all you rise guys. <laughs> uh, stay cool. Stay, stay cool, rise guys. Uh, I am Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And this is what we're saying. Bye. Bye.